0: which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: Remember this moment from the presidential campaign? Donald
2: J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims
0: entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on.
1: Seventeen months later, those words from then-candidate Trump are making life difficult for the lawyers defending now-President Trump's travel ban. A federal appeals court yesterday heard arguments on the ban, which would temporarily halt entry into the U.S. by people from six mostly Muslim nations. A key issue was whether Trump's campaign comments show that the executive order unconstitutionally targets Muslims. Our guests to talk about the arguments yesterday are Josh Blackman, he's a professor at the South Texas College of Law, and Liza Goitin, she's co-director of the Liberty and National Security Program at the Brennan Center for Justice. Welcome to you both. Uh, Liza, let me start with you. What argument against the travel ban do you sense is getting the most traction uh, before the courts?
0: It seems like Trump's comments about the travel ban and comments made by his uh, associates and his and people working for him um, are, are really having an effect on the court. You know, when he talked about having a complete and total ban on Muslims coming into the country, uh, you know, until we could figure out what was going on. You know, those words ha- carried a lot of weight, and the courts remember them, even though he's trying to backtrack from them now and say that he's doing something entirely different with this order. Now, the government lawyer was trying to argue um, that, as a matter of law, the judges shouldn't actually be looking at these statements, but it didn't seem like most of the judges were buying that. They thought those statements were very relevant and showed that there was religious discrimination behind this order.
1: Josh, uh, if you would spell out that government argument uh, for us, why was it that, that Jeff Wall was saying that the courts shouldn't be considering those comments?
2: Well, thank you for having me back on the show. Um, the government's argument was that traditionally courts defer to the executive when matters of national security are at stake. And in particular, uh, when the actual policy, the face of the document on the four corners doesn't have any sort of uh, uh, improprieties, then the courts are not supposed to look behind it, to look behind the wall. Um, If you actually read the executive order at issue, it doesn't make any references to Islam or religious discrimination. The only hook that the plaintiffs can hang their hat on is statements made by candidate Trump and then one ambiguous statement made by President Trump as he was signing it. Um, one of the points I think made uh, some resonance yesterday was the oath of office. Uh, uh, things that Trump said in the campaign trail were you know, primarily uh, 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 not very reliable, not very accurate in a lot of respects. But once he became president, and he took the oath of office, and he formed a government, and he had a cabinet, at that point they actually issued the policy. And the statements following the inauguration are far more probative of the president's intent rather than that of a reality show superstar who at the time few people actually took seriously.
1: Liza, what do you make of that argument? You know, this this is – you know, kind of an exercise in line drawing, you know, how far back do you go in looking at right. what somebody said? And Jeff Wall yesterday did say, hey, there was a very constitutionally significant event that happened on January 20th. Donald Trump became president. He stopped being a candidate and he stopped being the president elect. Um, doesn't that line mean something in terms of, you know, what, what import we give to various statements?
0: Well, that line is not quite as sharp as I think the government's lawyer would would like people to believe. Insofar as President Trump did issue an executive order, his first travel ban, uh, which did have expressly religious discriminatory language in it, so the first attempt at the travel ban. Uh, Exempted, essentially, religious minorities, and Trump publicly said that the reason for this was to allow Christians to come into the United States. Um, so there were actions and statements made after January 20th, which also confirmed this pattern of discriminatory statements. In terms of looking behind national dis- security decisions, the problem here, really, for the judges is that we have two lines of constitutional case law that are coming into conflict in a way. Um, There's a doctrine that says that when the president makes a national security judgment, the courts really shouldn't look behind that very carefully. And then there's a separate doctrine that says that when you're looking to see whether there's been a violation of the Establishment Clause, you should look at motives and statements and background. So then those two things are somewhat in tension in in this case where both of those factors are at issue. So that's what we're seeing the judges wrestle with, I think, is, is To what extent should they be deferring on the national security side and to what extent should they be doing what the case law suggests they should do in the First Amendment context, which is to give this a very good hard look.
1: At yesterday's appeals court hearing, Trump administration lawyer Jeffrey Wall said the president isn't trying to impose a Muslim ban with his executive order restricting entry into the U.S. from six countries. It's text doesn't have anything to do with religion. It's operation doesn't have anything to do with religion. The only thing they've got are to reach back and say, well, we know, despite its text and operation, what was in the president's head. That wasn't enough for Judge Robert King. He changed it from religion to nationality. He he explained that he wasn't going to call it religion anymore. He was going to call it nationality, and Mayor Giuliani advised him to do it that way. He did do that. He's never repudiated what he said. About the Muslim ban is still on his website. Our guests are Josh Blackman, professor at South Texas College of Law, and Liza Goitin, co-director of the Liberty and National Security Program at the Brennan Center for Justice. Uh, Josh, uh, what Judge King said there about Donald Trump not repudiating the Muslim ban, wouldn't his legal position be stronger if he if, if he actually did repudiate it?
2: Well, I have two responses. First, he has repudiated it. He said he's not doing a Muslim ban. He is doing a ban on certain territories. But second, even if Trump came out and apologized profusely, saying, I had a, a come-to-God moment, I am no longer a bigot, I do not want to do this, the ACLU would still assume, saying he doesn't really mean it. it's not genuine. This is why this entire exercise is an utter waste of time. In the minds of the challengers, the resistance, if you will, Trump is forever tainted by the statements he made, and nothing he can ever do can remove that taint. This is a stunning proposition if you think about it. If Trump ever decides to launch a military strike in a majority-Muslim country, which he has, uh, could the argument be made that he's doing this because he hates Muslims? Um, this this has no limiting principle if we actually take this seriously, which is why whether he deletes the website, keeps it up, apologizes, it gets down on his knees, and you know gives uh, you know David Cole a kiss, I don't think it. Really matters what's going to happen because the, 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 the claims will be exactly the same
1: just to clarify david cole is the uh, national legal director of the aclu uh liza what, what what about that argument it did come up during the arguments yesterday one of the judges uh asked the aclu lawyer uh you know what if donald trump you know apologize every day for you know a, a year um is donald trump forever barred from from doing something like this
0: Absolutely not. I think that, that's a bit of taking it much, much further than the plaintiffs would ever argue. Um, I think saying I'm sorry every day is a bit beside the point. But usually when a, you know, a president makes a decision in national security, the courts don't look behind that. They don't question whether there is a valid national security justification there. In a case where a president has made these discriminatory statements showing religious animus, that has consequences. It should have consequences. And the consequences are that the court can look behind the mere assertion of a national security interest and say, Well, show me. Show me the national security interest. Now, I think if, in fact, there were a major attack inside this country or several major attacks by nationals of the countries in question, right, the six countries that are on the list that are subject to the travel ban, then absolutely there would be a justification there. But I think given Trump's discriminatory statements, many, many discriminatory statements, the courts are going to look for that kind of evidence. And what you have here is the exact opposite. You have a situation in which literally none of the countries that are on that list have been shown to pose any significant threat to this country. There there are two examples that the government has been able to come up with. One is an example of Iraqis who are no longer on the list, and the other is the example of a Somali national who came to this country when he was very young, so the extreme vetting they're trying to come up with wouldn't have prevented his coming into the country, and his attack was staged by FBI agents doing a sting. Those are the strongest arguments that the government has been able to make for this ban. So of course, given the discriminatory statements Trump has made, if the courts are gonna look a little harder, they're gonna say, you haven't presented the evidence that this is a national security measure.
1: Josh, I want to ask you to respond to that. First, I I don't want to forget to mention, since Judge King talked about the statement still being on Donald Trump's website, uh, it it is no longer on the website. As of yesterday, uh, all all of the campaign statements have have disappeared from uh, Donald Trump's campaign website. I'm not sure that has any legal significance. Uh, uh, Either of you can tell me if you think it does, but I just wanted to mention that. So, Josh, um, so so Liza was talking about the um, sort of, in her view, the pointlessness of this of this uh, order, that it's not really serving serving a powerful interest. And, and one thing I have been wondering is that, you know, this is designed to be a temporary measure. Uh, Donald Trump said it was needed to stop people from pouring in, and now we're however many months into his presidency. Um, you know, what's the argument that this is, is actually going to, this 90-day ban is actually going to do anything to make us all more secure?
2: Um, <clears throat> frankly, it doesn't matter whether it'll make us all secure. Uh, Donald Trump won the election. He's the commander-in-chief. He makes certain decisions that I won't agree with and that the Brennan Center won't agree with. Um, Of the six nations that he picked, three are state sponsors of terror. The other three have been infiltrated by ISIS and terrorist groups. It's unclear if the records those countries are giving us are accurate enough that we can know who's coming and who they are, that they say they are. That's enough. That's enough. In no sense does the court have the prerogative to pick and choose and pick at the everything. Well, you've not had any terrorist attacks from here, but you've had some from here. Um, the president doesn't need to wait for an attack to happen. And also, I don't have a security clearance. I don't think my esteemed colleague does either. There may be information that's available to the president that we don't have. Um, in fact, the courts are doing what they say they're not supposed to do, saying that, well, Maybe there could be a threat, but there's not an actual threat. This is an insane line of reasoning, and there's absolutely zero precedent for it, other than the fact that the judges don't like Donald Trump, and they're applying a different set of rules because they think he represents some sort of existential threat to the rule of law. I think at bottom, that's what's actually going on here. They think Trump is dangerous, and they're upping their A-game, and that is not how courts ought to operate.
1: Well, Josh, what do we do with this whole line of cases that, that Liza re- referred to where, where the Supreme Court has said we will look not just at – when we're look at dealing with the religion, we will look at whether there was a religiously motivated uh, purpose behind a government action. Does that just not apply in, in this context?
2: No. In fact, the government has adopted a point that I've been making for two months. Those are domestic cases involving things such as mundane things like, you know, Ten Commandment displays in courthouses. Um, this may come as a surprise to your listeners, but our immigration law explicitly considers religion. We have special visas for preachers, right? We give special visas to members of the cloth. On the domestic side, that would be entirely unconstitutional to give a special privilege to members of religion and not people who aren't. Um, I don't think these laws at all apply, these cases about the Ten Commandment displays. Um, at a minimum, if they do, it's only a bare, rational review. Does this make sense? And the answer is yes. Um, I think you know, these inferior court judges will probably latch onto this, but I fully expect the Supreme Court to say, look, we have this existing body of case law. We have lots of immigration law that considers religion. We can't rock the apple cart. This is, may not may not be a good policy, but we will uphold it, and I expect the court to do so.
1: We only have about 20, only about 20 seconds, but I'll give you the last word.
0: I think the president does have more latitude at the border, but he does not have the latitude to completely ignore the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. And what Josh is saying would be a license for the president to issue an order saying, I find on national security grounds that all Muslims have to be permanently kept out of this country. According to Josh's logic, that would be constitutional or that would be permissible. Okay, and Liza, Liza we're going to that we're gonna have to
1: leave it there. I want to thank you both, Liza Goytian and Josh Blackman, for being with us today on Bloomberg Law.
0: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through, I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis,